Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. So Tracy Rosensteel, who I am going to talk to today, I'm really excited about because I've known her for a while. This is a long time coming. <laughs> so she's a really passionate artist and entrepreneur and in fact began her media career in 2001 with her first endeavor, which was a children's media company that's dedicated to the creation and inspiration of entertaining books for kids. She does television content, content, theatrical plays for children of all ages. It's really, really a cool thing that you're doing. So in 2006, and she founded Inizio Entertainment, which is currently producing a never before seen television platform showcasing people around the globe who live li their life in pursuit of their dreams, right? Which is a lot of what we talk about here. So this exciting series celebrates the indomitable spirit of adventure living in each of us and reminds us and its audience that with determination and perseverance, we are destined for greatness. So she's, besides all of these fabulous things, she also worked on Wall Street for 22 years, trading floor technologies, and for 10 years ran her own company, which she of course sold in 2016, which then gave her time to think about and develop Booch Paper, which she launched in 2020, right? In the middle of a pandemic. And they currently sell in a gazillion stores, which we're gonna talk about later, thousands and thousands of awesome stores across the country. And of course, she's been on Shark Tank 2, which aired last October in 2020, again, during a pandemic. And that is when I actually saw her on TV and I was like, I have to talk to this woman. So here we finally are. Hey, Tracy. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad we're finally connecting. Me too. And thank you for the introduction. I'm calling you anytime I have a bad day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Call me. I'll just boost you up and I'll, I'll send you cocktails too. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> so let's kind of dive into why you started Pooch Paper and what it is so that everybody knows what this awesome no, item is. It. Oh, thank you. Okay. So Pooch Paper is uh, made in the USA, and it's a recycled non-chlorine bleach paper fiber, which is an alternative to plastic dog waste bags. Uh, so we manufacture here. It's already, um, oh, I said that, already recycled, to say it twice. Uh, but anyway, it's 100% biodegradable, 100% compostable, and it's manufactured using renewable energy. So awesome. <laughs> and so talk a little bit about what the impetus was, because I know that there's, you have all these amazing statistics about how many plastic bags and how many poops are picked up every year. And these numbers are astounding. <laughs> they are astounding. And I believe it's something like 200% uh, growth in the last one year because of COVID. Uh, are the numbers reflected in dog adoptions, which is terrific because most of the shelters are empty so dogs are finding forever homes but the impetus was uh, my Indiana Jones who is my nine-year-old French bulldog we live in Manhattan and uh, every single day at the end of every day there are garbage bins on the corner that are totally chock full of single-use plastic dog poo bags so I got tired of seeing it and as he got a little bit older and I had a little bit more time um, I just did a bunch of research thinking there has to be, please, some kind of a better way to do this. And of course, I came across biodegradable bags, quote unquote, that are plastic and tout, you know, eco-friendliness, et cetera. But as I kind of lifted up the covers and dug into what that meant and what that does mean to meet the certain ASTM D6400, which is a certification required in this country in order to uh, advertise that you are eco-friendly uh, in this uh, particular category, um, 
the plastic bags need to be injected with something called EPI, which allows the plastic to break down within the time parameters for that particular uh, certification. So the net net is unfortunately the growth that we've seen globally in microplastic pollution is a side effect of those types of plastics. So um, I was thinking, all right, is there any way just to get around the whole plastic altogether? Right. And the answer is yes. Yeah, there's actually quite a clean paper alternative out there. So can you show people your packaging? And because yeah. I know you offer it in two sizes for the petite poo-poo and the larger poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and then maybe do like a quick little demo on how it yeah. works. Yes, now I'd be happy to. So we launched originally with uh, both have quantity 50, which is near enough a one month supply. So we launched with the 12 by 12 sheet folded in six by six, and that's in retail stores. And then we came up with a larger size, which is the 14 by 14, also available in, sorry about the light is a little bit hard to see with the reflective uh, packaging, but Anyway, so those are the packages that you'd see in the retail store. We also, um, by popular demand, have created a clip that clips onto your leash. So if you have a dirty pooch paper, you can just clip it on here and have a long walk and wait until you find the garbage bin to throw your dirty Clever. pooch paper. <laughs> and actually, I thought, oh, so many people are asking for that, and I'm happy to try to make it. We did make it. They're actually landing in the warehouse in about a week's time, which is great. And uh, Target Online is going to carry this entire uh, program in the stores. Is just a yeah, thank you. <laughs> but um, what's funny is I was testing it myself. I put it on the leash and I now I use it every single day. I can't believe it. I thought, who really needs this? How long of a walk are you taking? <laughs> but I use it every day and it's wonderful. We also have a pooch pouch. Uh, which zips here, it accommodates both sizes, the 12 by 12, 14 by 14, and you can fit about 25 uh, folded pooch papers inside. And that clips again onto your leash, your belt buckle, your wrist, your stroller, wherever it is that you'd like to <laughs> have a clip to. <laughs> well, it's so, so funny that you would say with the clip, you know, your mm -hmm. new clip coming in, because our dog, of course, we have a COVID dog. Um, <laughs> And then we got in December and he always poops right at the beginning of the walk. So, yeah, there you go. right. So you're like, uh, <laughs> you know, looking, going in the alley, looking for somebody's garbage can. And, you know, now once we have one of your clips, we can just we wait we get home. We don't have to scrounge somebody else's garbage can. <laughs> I'm happy to get one as soon as I have them land. So would you like to do a demonstration? Yeah, I do. Okay, so I'm going to have to move my camera down a yeah, little yeah. bit. And of course, I'm not doing a live demonstration. So <laughs> I Thank found goodness. something close enough, I guess, that'll work for the sake of this, uh, this uh, podcast. But anyway, you just simply, as we say on the bag, take twist and toss, or on the sheet rather, but take the waist. twist the corners of the paper around the waist and the grease resistant coating we have on both sides of the paper is actually created during the pulp drying process. So there's no added chemicals and we're PFAS free. Uh, and because of the grease resistant, it holds the paper in place. So you can see it doesn't open up and toss. And show a little demo of your new clip on there. Oh, yeah. since you have it. <laughs> I do. Let me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. May as well do that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> if you tell me when it is, you're fired. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> like people tell you don't want to stand underneath. Exactly. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's so clever. And it's, and oh, it's, um, I think what moved me so much, of course, is, you know, I know you were on my kids podcast for their kids for the climate is but just that 
I've grown, I've always, you know, I grew up in California. I live in Colorado. I've always been as eco minded as possible. Right. I mean, I compost, I have solar, you know, I don't drive an electric car yet, but two of my brothers do. So, <laughs> um, you know, but, but that we've always, you know, been water savers, obviously living, growing up in California. Right. So you, so you think about all these things. And then when I saw your shark tank, I was like, oh my God, this is just like the total next uh, progression of eco-friendly products. And it just seemed like such a clever resource um, and something, you know, listening to you talk about the statistics of, you know, the hundreds of thousands and millions of poo-poos all over, right? That, and that doesn't it take like 20 years for the bags to biodegrade or something? Uh, it could take up to 500 to 1,000. It just depends on the type of plastic, but yeah. Wait, 500 to 1,000 years? Years. It, in, oh, some case, in some cases, they uh, never go away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there, yeah. again, right? You know, I mean, at least, like yours probably take a few years, right, being paper. Um, uh, about a month or two, actually. Or two. So okay. what happened, yeah, and that was part of, uh, again, the... The impetus was while there's so many single-use plastics that have poo in them every single day what can we do about it because as you know legislation was growing around the country and frankly around the globe i think we're one of 68 countries who have enacted legislation around single-use plastics mm -hmm. to date. like plastic bags in the grocery store you yeah. mean or things it's mm -hmm. the grocery store exactly so i'm thinking if i go to the grocery store maybe i take home three bags a week or something as one you know household and one person in one household but i use three at least a day with my dog don't ask what i'm feeding him but um, <laughs> ours too quite a bit yeah so i yeah. thought gosh why is no one paying attention to that maybe they are ah there's eco-friendly plastic what does that mean so in my uh, again the research in the u.s alone about 500 million of these a year end up in landfills so the ways by which people pick up, right? Either you upcycle or reuse a plastic bag from the newspaper that comes in the morning or a right. grocery bag, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. The problem with that is, again, the plastic takes hundreds of years, if not more, to um, decompose. Then with the eco-friendly plastics that have been injected with EPI, they break down into hundreds of millions of microplastic particles and in turn, that enters the air we breathe, the water we drink, and ultimately our food supply. Right. So last year, Consumer Reports, I believe it was in April, came out with a cover story about how to eat less plastic. And what their research showed, because of microplastic pollution, is that we as humans ingest over a credit card-sized amount of plastic every single week. And now right. they're finding microplastics in placentas. They can permeate cell membranes. I mean, it's everywhere and it's global. So the other side effect with the plastics that end up in landfills um, is when you put animal waste of any kind into plastic and um, put it in a landfill where you can't control the uh, amount of air, uh, moisture, sunlight, et cetera, to help anything decompose, it creates methane gas. Right. And methane gas has been shown, you know, this <laughs> to be about 87 times more toxic in its first two years of release than carbon dioxide alone, which is, of course, what everybody is trying to address at the moment with the carbon problem. So, right. uh, yeah, so this, I mean, again, depending on the moisture that's available, the sunlight and the air, the pooch paper will break down, number one, organically, because it's 100% organic, it's trees. And it will decompose somewhere between one and three months at best. So uh, it's, unless you're choosing to flush your dog's waste in the toilet, it's <laughs> probably the best. Yeah, I don't think I'm quite that. I'm not I, quite I'm there with that one. <laughs> I'm doing what I can. But yeah. <laughs> I, when, when that, um, you know, when Shark Tank first came out and that kitty, city kitty came out and yeah. the lady had taught her cat how to go in the toilet in this thing. Yeah. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, and then when we got our cat, we never tried it. And, uh, and then I was like, maybe they make it for a dog. 
<laughs> like that would be genius. Yeah, you would have to have a few little steps up for your dog to get to the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Himself in the toilet, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So funny. Well, so, so now that I mentioned Shark Tank, let's just talk about that for a second. So I know that you were on Shark Tank in October of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic and that it was an arduous task to actually physically get there because of all the COVID protocols and your quarantining and all the stuff that they, precautions and things that they took, thank God. Sure. And that you did get a deal, which is still in its um, settling phase, <laughs> right? So right. it's still being worked out and the details can be often cumbersome. But so, so talk a little bit about how you're funding your business today, because I know you're manufacturing overseas, um, at least parts of it, right? The, the clip. Um, uh, the clip is overseas, but yeah. the paper and our dispensers and the pooch pouches that we have available online, all right. of that's made in the USA. In the US, right. Yeah. So, so, but you know, you've got big orders on the on the docket right which we can talk about and um so you've got to fund all of this right and um you know you were a wall street gal but i'm sure there's not an endless bank account <laughs> and so so how are you doing that so i continue to work a day job and uh i had a bit of savings of course that i put into this i actually spent maybe i came up with the concept probably four years ago somewhere there about. And I spent probably three and a half years doing a bunch of research to figure out what was on the market and some of the other uh, keynotes that I mentioned a few moments ago. And then in 2019, I decided to exhibit, I'm just thinking of the dates, 2019, I decided to exhibit at the global uh, pet convention that takes place in Orlando each year. And a few months prior to that, I decided to put in patent paperwork just in case this market seemed to have an appetite for this kind of a product. So I dipped dip my toe in the water early 2019. And then the good news was there was quite a bit of a market for it. <laughs> so I spent most of my 2019 figuring out how to get the concept in my head to a retail shelf. Uh, so during that time, I decided it, I can't quit the day job yet and just continue to siphon off monthly budgets that went into <laughs> product development and all the rest of it. So I've continued that in that vein ever since uh, 2020. I'm one of absolutely everybody on the planet who can say it's, it was difficult. It was definitely a tough time with the day job because of cutbacks and all the rest of it. We for a good part of the year went part-time, which meant income went part-time. Mm -hmm. But the good news is because it went part-time, it gave me five months, which was required basically to prepare and get filmed and then air ultimately on Shark Tank. So there's always a silver lining when- <laughs> when, when one door closes, another door yeah. opens, right? Yeah, that's so <laughs> true, so yeah. true. So I've still continued to fund this 100% by myself. Um, as I mentioned, we, in 2019 was kind of our let's get our act together year in 2020 in February, just before the pandemic, we brought it to market, uh, regardless of it being a pandemic year and knock on wood, I've been very fortunate and am certainly very grateful. We launched originally with uh, Orvis, who's a fly fishing outfitter and they have 70 stores nationwide who carry it and orvis.com. Then in August, we launched in over a thousand Target stores and Target.com. Then end of August, we launched on Chewy.com. <laughs> and all the while, we picked up a bunch of uh, regional and local boutiques who are super fun to deal with because they're mom and pops usually and very nice and eager to have something different in a different product category. Yeah. And then uh, let's see, we've picked up Amazon, of course, Walmart.com. And uh, this July, we are launching in 1700 PetSmart stores <laughs> and Pet Supplies Plus. Yeah, so those are our latest <laughs> and a slew of other zero waste store and you know a bunch of others. So we've worked really hard to get the expansion going and the, I've been lucky enough to be able to temper 
the growth with retail and then catch up to their net 90 terms or whatever it is before we launch the next big one. So at the moment, it's funding itself, but uh, mm -hmm. it's definitely been a bootstrap couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, where's that check? I got to pay for the next manufacturing. <laughs> ramen noodles. <laughs> Well, so <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> um, well, so how did you get into all these big stores? I mean, do you have a sales rep or do you just call them yourself? I do have a sales rep now. Yep. Uh, but no, I just, well, first of all, after going to Global Pet Expo, uh, that connected me with a lot of people on the floor, obviously, and buyers who were there to look for new products. Mm -hmm. And also when you attend a show like that, as you know, you receive the follow-up communications of all the different attendees, et cetera. So um, just banging the phones and introducing myself and sending product and keeping on them and not taking no for an answer, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Yeah. Until you tell me to lose your phone number, I'm going to keep calling. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't work here anymore. Yes, you answered your phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, uh, kind of lame. <laughs> You're like, really? Yeah, you know, you, <laughs> you got to keep so banging funny. on the door. Oh, yeah, it? totally. And then, and what about the small stores that you're in? Are those stores that, you, that found you from like being on Shark Tank or being in big retailers? Or did you, you know, buy a list of, you know, little, pets, bit of both. little, little stores? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, I targeted some cities, some towns that uh, had enacted legislation for the single use mm -hmm. uh, ban and had some success with that and some found me after shark tank we had a slew of phone calls which was exciting to expand the platform a bit more and uh and some of it is literally some of it is i'm out running errands and oh there's a pet store i didn't realize was right there and i walk in and leave a business card and introduce myself <laughs> a great example of that is this year so now that we've really grown in a short amount of time our retail partners and reach which i'm thrilled about um one of my largest sales initiatives this year is to deploy our dispenser-based platform for replacing mm -hmm. plastic and dog parks through municipalities and multi-tenant residential buildings so i just literally two weeks ago moved to annapolis and i am living in an apartment complex that has probably 25 or 30 dispensers around the perimeter of the property. And they're also owned and maintained by one of the largest privately held residential property management companies on the planet. So <laughs> uh, while, while I was- Good choice of apartment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it didn't happen not by design, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Nothing's I, a coincidence. Uh -huh. Exactly. I've become very friendly with the uh, folks at the leasing center. They're wonderful people. And I told them when I was signing the lease documents, I said, you realize that I'm coming right after you the minute I'm done putting pictures on my walls. <laughs> yes, I'm <laughs> and said, and not just here, like everywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your entire network. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's in the works. They have a, a pilot program at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, and you told me that you have already started to roll the dispensers out across the country. Yes, yes. Actually, two, no, three weeks ago, we went through three different renditions of what the dispenser could look like and tried and failed and tried and failed. I was trying to have the papers be flat in nature and not folded to cut down on overhead. And anyway, of all the things I know how to do, making a piece of paper stand on its end is something I apparently can't do. So <laughs> working on that. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we decided to just go with our standard folded sheet, which is actually really great because the footprint itself of the dispenser takes up a lot less space. Mm. It looks 
great. The design's wonderful. And you just simply pull out one individual paper at a time, uh, completely. Like, like a Kleenex, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, with dispensers, like a Kleenex. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, hole for dispensing is at the bottom of the box. So I worked with gravity, not against it. So I guess <laughs> I came to terms and made friends with gravity. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so we just uh, shipped out about 15 of our first, you know, the first shipment of orders and um, speckled around the country between California and New Jersey. We've started programs in uh, a good number of uh, cities already. So it's been exciting. That's awesome. They need to be in um, those rest stops across the country, yes, <laughs> you know, because they have lawns there, right? Where yes, you get out of your car and walk your dog. I mean, growing up in California, you don't see as many in other states or we don't between driving to Colorado, like through Arizona um, and New Mexico. We haven't seen as many of those little uh, rest area parks, but California is packed with them <laughs> up and down Highway 5, right? You know, there's like every 10 miles or 20 miles, it seems that there's a rest area. And oh, great. So that's yeah. going on the list. <laughs> yeah, C dot, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'll have California to Department of Transportation. Um, and my bet is East Coast probably has those too. I've never done a like a yeah. big I 95 drive. Um, I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Once in college, but that okay. was a long time ago. And I was, we were just like, pedal to the metal to get to Florida for spring break. So and I, I, we didn't stop anywhere except to get gas. I saw nothing. It was just, you know, pure highway. Yep. I was like, yeah, I've driven that. through Georgia. That's about it. Um, so so I, I always want to talk about first of all, I want to say congratulations on funding it yourself. That's a huge, huge uh, feat, I think, for because most, you know, most people are mortgaging their house or getting 0% credit cards. Lord knows I've launched lots of businesses on 0% credit cards. I'm like the queen of the shuffle. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, this one's expiring. Move it there. Oh, this one. Um, and I was quite a master for many years on that. Um, because uh, of course you're like zero percent. Who would ever give me a zero percent credit card? <laughs> um, but um, and and you know, and I think that um, you know, what what would it what would it take for you to bring on an investor? You know, like even you know, not assume. Let's just say your Shark Tank deal doesn't go through, or you decide not to do it, or something in the long run. What would be other options for you, you know, as your company grows? Because I, you know, obviously you could get a bank loan or, you know, do sure. things on your own, right? Or find a factor or to factor those huge POs from big stores, you know, but you're giving up a pretty big percentage to them. Right. Um, yep. But then they don't own anything, right? It's, sure. you're, you're just paying a, an, an interest percentage from the day, you know, the day you ship until... The day you get paid so it's 30 60 sure. 90 120 whatever the payment cycle is um so what, what what how do you resolve something like that i mean i know you come from the money world so <laughs> i'm sure that's something that's you know you that you've had time to think about and can probably sure. think about way more logically than i can or maybe people listening can i well i don't know if it's any more logical and certainly <laughs> i've seen money move around i don't know that's been mine but <laughs> Try to grab a hold of it when I can. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, so I'm in the process of working on a loan for a revolving line of credit. So for your example, when I have a big order come through, I can process a purchase order. I do have payment terms uh, with my suppliers, which is great for yeah. all my raw materials. And then uh, outside of that, if Shark Tank doesn't come through, I think, Anyone listening, I'm open to doing the same deal that Kevin was proposing. <laughs> the royalty one. Most investors don't like that idea, which is fine. So I would definitely, I have a couple friends actually because of the Wall Street world who right. are very interested and keen to get involved. My only hesitation at the moment 
is only just a timing one. And that's simply because we only about two months ago launched the initiative to grow through the parks departments with municipalities, mm -hmm. multi-tenant buildings, doggy daycare, things of that nature that would require a dispenser-based platform. So while I've done a, what I feel is a pretty sizable job in the retail arena, I'm very happy with that. Now it's time to grow this other sector, if you would like to call it that. And I just need to prove to myself that we can make the numbers in the projections within the months that I've set forth for this year so that I can val better value the company. I've already done probably 75,000 different valuations. <laughs> I'm sure all kinds of things, but right. I can just see you. If I borrow this from the bank to do that, <laughs> then it's this over here. And then I'll make this less percent. And I'd be like, Wah! what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, the three-year discounted cash flow is kind of the way I went as far as doing evaluation at 10%, which is too high. But the point is I need to make sure when I hit my numbers successfully each month, what goes behind that, of course, with building funnel like anywhere else, mm -hmm. is if I have, if my outcome each month needs to look like X, then how many phone calls, how many emails, how many, <laughs> what's the number? It's just right. numbers, right? right. So what yeah. number I need to have in the funnel, in the pipeline closing in order to meet that number so that I know I can, assess the company at a certain valuation, number right. one, because as you know, if I get an investor involved, let's call it 10% just to keep the number easy. And I don't reach that number within the time frame that I've chosen. Mm. Then if we have to go to a round B or a round C, now I'm the one because they have preferential stock, of course, I'm being diluted. You get diluted, so, right? Yeah. So I'm just, not I feel like I'm a little too, of course, on the one hand, I would love to jettison and be 100% time booch paper only and not 19 hour days. Yeah. But on the other side, I don't want to put myself in a position where I could potentially be set up for failure because the other question is, how long is my sales cycle? And is there a standard there? And you know, when Wall Street trading floor technologies, I could bang out and I could tell you exactly because I did it for so long or for 22 years with very, you know, different types of technology, but you get to understand the banks and their buying patterns and all the nuance. But here, obviously, this is brand new. I'm working with government in most cases when it relates to the municipalities. And right. sometimes, I mean, with the 15 or so that we've shipped already, some of those literally took two phone calls and we were done. Some needed, well, send me your catalog, send me a sample, let me test it. Can I run a pilot program? Massage, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 40 phone calls later and you're like, wow, it took me like 40 hours to make yeah. 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you have the odd phone call. This was the best. I, it happened last week. I, I thought, oh, I have all these spreadsheets of top 10 municipalities, because there's 90,000, sorry, top 10 states of municipalities. There's 90,000 municipalities in the United States alone. Wow. So how, like, where do you begin? How do you, yeah. how do yeah. you architect that data and all, all that stuff? And then there's a National Recreation and Park Association that we have become a part of. That's the NRPA. They have conferences every year. Every state has a conference every year. <laughs> it's just organized. Right. It's just that. layered upon layered. Yeah. Totally. So I thought, great, I've got three hours this afternoon. I'll bang out the phones again. So I <laughs> I was doing a top 10, 16, or sorry, top 16 parks across the nation. And one was near the Kinney Connect up in Philly. And I called the, what I am dyslexic sometimes with numbers, which doesn't help me out, but I dialed the wrong phone number <laughs> and the woman answered and she said, uh, what was it? Uh, something like Philadelphia Juvenile Center. How can I help you? <laughs> exactly. I need cheap help. No, I said, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I just <laughs> laughing. I said, I definitely called the wrong phone number. <laughs> 
what are you selling, honey? She couldn't have been any nicer. I said, poo bags. <laughs> and she goes, no, we got a lot of that around here. Anyway, we talked for 10 minutes. We had such a good laugh. And I thought, you know, I should be recording these. <laughs> like under, uh, behind the scenes of a huge paper, you know, cold call or something. <laughs> that. Is hilarious. Well, the funnier, it would have been really funny if she'd said, well, I can't help you because, you know, I'm working with kids here, but my brother-in-law or whatever yeah. does, you know, such and such, let me connect you. <laughs> well, that happened, funny enough, same day I left some voicemails and a woman up in Maine had called me back the following day. I couldn't believe it. I thought, well, that only took a day. And she was so apologetic. It took her a while to get back to me. I thought the fact that you even did like, thank you. Yes. The so, same thing. She in her own community can't use it, but she's putting me in touch with the mayor up in, um, where is it? Oh gosh. Well, sorry, I'm drawing a blank, but anyway, another mayor friend of hers up in Maine, which is fabulous. So that is perfect. <laughs> Where that happened exactly <laughs> yeah. that's so funny oh god well i love that you're hitting the phones all the time it's i mean it's it is statistics right it's just a numbers yeah. game you know if you know if you call 10 stores you're going to close two or something or whatever right. your your own personal statistics are right you've got right. to hit those numbers every week or every yeah. month or however you look at it um, right that's how I always built my businesses too. I knew, I knew yeah. what my close rate was. <laughs> and you just, and the more you do it, the better you get at it. I mean, I remember with my second company, with my patented product, the first time I called people, I might've got one out of 20, you know, and yeah. then, you know, then you, you listen and you hear what the objections are and you can reiterate your pitch and, oh, yeah. I didn't mention that, you know, and then you get to the next person and you're like, oh, hello. <laughs> and then, right. And then you, you know, you realize, wow, I, you know, that went so much better. They might buy, right. You know, and then you, you reiterate again and cause they had questions that maybe you didn't answer and you just get better and better at your own game. Yes. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. And you come along, you know, you end up meeting people who are so excited also about the product and kind of open the door to number one introductions elsewhere that can mm -hmm. benefit. And also uh, just with insights, for example, Harrington Park in New Jersey, they're a client of mine now. And the gentleman who I engage with is awesome. He should take my job, but anyway. <laughs> Good. Uh, but he was saying how, and now, of course, I've written this into all the sales points and hit them top right out of the gate to the municipality audience, because, for example, most of the competition can only accommodate 250 bags on a roll in the dispenser. Mm. We can put up to a thousand, actually more, but the weight, is, I'd say a thousand is enough. So 75% labor reduction right out oh, of the gate, wow. right, to maintain our dispensers versus the, anybody else's is, right. quite, you know, um, a plus for municipalities. And then the paper by nature of the organic composition, et cetera, the municipalities need to submit a, um, they need to express incremental progress with their water supplies each year when they um, put out an annual report. And in that, if they can illustrate that they've, you know, created, I guess, a better environment with respect to the water, it's easier to maintain their MS4 stormwater permits. Now, ultimately, no one wants to hear this, but poop always gets into our water supplies. <laughs> and dog waste, unfortunately, wrapped in plastic does as well. Yeah. So not only are we cleaner for the water supply environment, but also at reservoirs and reservoir choke points where that floating plastic bag of poop <laughs> might reach the mechanics of it all in the filter system, ours sinks to the bottom and organically decomposes. Mm. So there's a lot of upside that I never would have thought about had I not 
gotten engaged in the municipality arena and met people like Peter at Harrington Park who have been instrumental in really helping me out. That's so great. That's, I mean, it's, it's amazing when you meet people who will, can educate you about your own product you're passionate about, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the benefit of your own products in environments that you would never know about because right. you're not in that business. So there's no way you would ever be able to learn about that or it wouldn't be part of your consciousness, you know? Right. And it's not yeah. something you'd be like, Oh, I'm going to Google this, you know, just cause you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't even know to do it, sure. you know? Um, sure. So that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I want to ask you two more questions. So I always like to ask, um, you know, kind of the best and the worst thing that happened to you along the way. <laughs> so, um, you know, cause everybody has ups and downs in their business and nothing's ever perfect as much as we mm. wish it was. And so what, what was the thing that was either the biggest bummer for you or the biggest learning experience or learning curve that you had that mm. you had to overcome to keep going? Well, I would say at this point, because we're still growing and we've been on the market for about a year, the biggest challenge in bringing the product to market, I would say after the 2019 Global Expo, where I thought, ah, oh, great, I should be off and running, was trying to find the infrastructure and the machinery to fold this grade of paper. And to be able to, from soup to nuts, literally coming out of the paper plant to having a box like this that goes on a shelf, how do I line up, number one, having everybody remain in the United States and not have to do this offshore? So that was a really big challenge. And then I think I called every single person in the United States that has a folding machine. <laughs> <laughs> There's a 411 for that. <laughs> it was crazy. And how I found where I am now up in Newburgh, New York, the, um, the plant is owned by a gentleman named Len and he's, uh, I, I would die without him. Um, I think the way I found him was I had gone to a different organization. They tested it. They decided they couldn't do it too many, you know, it was too thin and too whatever it was for their machines. So about two days later, I had a phone call from the gentleman who owned that plant who told me no. And he said, listen, I happened to mention what you're doing to the gentleman who cleans my machines, old schooler, right? <laughs> Just Who must machine. know everyone. Yeah. <laughs> knows everyone, right. And he suggested that maybe I call Len because potentially Len could have a solution for me. And uh, so sure enough, <laughs> through the mechanic who handles the, you know, paper machines for eons, probably decades and decades, connected me to Len. So I, so the fact that the gentleman was nice enough to remember, oh, wait, I might be able to help her and connect me there was unbelievable. And we've had a great relationship ever since. He's just, every time I say, can you maybe, yes, what do you need? <laughs> So do like, they do everything for you or just no, fold the paper? They fold it, box it, ship it. So the paper okay. gets made, converted, cut the whole nine. And then lend the, it's the whole warehouse infrastructure. So um, yeah, the paper is raw. Basically when it arrives there, he runs it through all, all of his machines, has his team pack everything. And then uh, with retail part, well, with any fulfillment, it all goes out his center. Uh, hmm. yeah, up, up so he York. stores it all for you and ships it yeah. from there. Yeah. Wow. Score. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Big time score. Okay. So that is a great thing. That's, I love that story because you never know who's going to be the person who's going to help you. Right. 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 Um, I never thought about going kind of the back door to the person who cleans, you know, or repairs machines could obviously, duh, would be the person who knows every clients. person yeah. in the area with the machines. Right. <laughs> right. You're like, shoot, I should have been looking up paper cleaning, cutting, folding no machine uh, engineers. <laughs> no 
no kidding. I know. That's funny. <laughs> good lesson. <laughs> Hilarious. Really good way to think outside the box. I mean, we'll give the kudos to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <we're> <laughs> <laughs> you were smart enough to get to the first guy though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then what's been like the best thing that's ever happened that you, that happened where you were just like, oh my God, my business actually has legs. Mm. Cause there's fear of that all the time. Right. I mean, when you're launching, sure. you're like, I think it's awesome. You know, I've sure. spent all this time and money and energy and effort getting, here it is, right? Yeah. Who wants it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got to. Yeah. <clears throat> I lost you. Okay, so that's an awesome way to learn your the worst thing that could have possibly happened, right? You couldn't have found someone to fold your paper, right? Then you would have been right. nowhere, I right? Know. So yeah. <laughs> um, you would have been ironing it and folding it yourself. Um, I've been many nights doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> and then, so then what's the um, best thing that ever happened that made you realize, you know, hey, I have a business, I you know, it's more than just me and my friend or me and myself, right. That think this is great. And all my family members yeah. who helped me into the wee hours of the night folding paper. All them uh, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd say at the moment I have two that I can recall. And because it's early doors, I'm fingers crossed. I have a lot more that come down the pike, but the first one was at the global pet conference. I took a 10 by 10 booth. I spent the least amount of money possible because I had the least amount of money possible. And everybody else was Purina and, you know, big, big brands, <laughs> right? And here I am in this rinky dink little booth. <laughs> the best thing in that booth was my dog. <laughs> but anyway, no, I'm joking. But um, I remember we were so busy which was such a blessing. The first day I was there with my boyfriend and we're watching people walk by. I'm like, oh no, this is gonna be the longest three days of my life. Is anyone gonna stop by? And then suddenly we were pummeled with traffic and it never let up. And I so badly wanted to leave and walk around and check out the show, but I couldn't pull myself away from the booth. And I said to a couple different people who came into the booth, I said, you know, I'm curious if you had to walk this whole show and see something like you have to absolutely go to X booth, whose mm -hmm. booth would it be? I want to make sure I see it before I leave. And everyone I asked that question to said your booth. Everyone's talking Whoa. about you. Yeah. <laughs> you were the disruptor. Like $10 booth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were the disruptor. So, yeah, apparently mm -hmm. so. I That's said, there's awesome. no way that this is it. <laughs> this, yeah. <laughs> this is something else out there. But it's very nice to hear that, that no, everyone, you know, we've been here so many years. We all do this every year. It's so nice to see everybody and say hi, but we always look for something new and something that is a disruptor, basically. And sure. yeah. 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 That's great. And then the other one is uh, I was so nervous for Shark Tank and standing behind the doors waiting, you know, they take you for a dry run and is everything, yeah, is everything exactly where it needs to be? Come in, you stand on your mark, you do this, you do that. All right. And then of course you turn around and walk out and they shut the doors and you're waiting for countdown. And <laughs> the guy in the headset says, all right, so when they say clear, I'm doing countdown from seven and then you go and there's, you know, cameras in your face <laughs> and the whole nine and I thought, oh my God, I can see my heart beating like outside. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else can too. <laughs> you I looked pretty cool and collected. <laughs> well, thank you. But I was so nervous. And after you get over the, it's like a roller coaster ride when you're up at the top and you're like, oh, oh no, I'm committed. Can I get off? Like there's no getting off. <laughs> you're going down. <clears throat> anyway, when I was finished with the pitch, which by the way, was an hour and a half 
not the four minutes on TV. I was standing wow. there pitching for an hour and a half. And once you get over the initial, oh, to hear the feedback from the sharks in the room and then ultimately to have one of them offer you a deal was another moment of, oh, maybe I have something here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me and my family. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. That must have been such an amazing feeling. Um, it was. I, I can't even imagine, you know, what it's, I mean, I can only equate it to, you know, I raised money with my first company and when, when people signed on the dotted line, I was like, wow, really? <laughs> you, know? Wait, you want to invest in me? <laughs> um, so I, I can relate to what, what that feels like. And it's, um, it also just, I think, pushes you into kind of the next level of mm. belief about yourself, right? Yes, no question. Which I think is really important to, to give anybody that impetus to keep going, you know, whether it's, you know, your first little 24 piece sale to a store, or it's, you know, a, a big investor or a huge, you know, target or whatever the next, your, your next stepping stone is when you actually can step on it and crush it. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and know that, you know, Hey, I crushed that one and I can crush the next one too. You know, who knows how long it'll take, but I'm going to keep moving. Yeah. Um, it just makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, congratulations on all your success. It's really awesome to see. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank and you. in such a short time, just in the last five months. So well, when they lock you indoors, you have to come up with something, right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of businesses have been born in 20, were born, I should say in 2020. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so Tracy, tell everyone where they can find you. All right. So tell everyone where they can find you online. So we're at poochpaper.com and on Instagram and Facebook, it's poochpaper. Awesome. <laughs> and we'll have all that in the show notes too. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me. And I really look forward to catching up with you in the future and seeing where things go. And I really hope, I can't wait to see one of your dispensers in a national park. <laughs> oh, <laughs> much well Durango's next they're on my list so. awesome great <laughs> we need them we've got dispensers all over the place so with plastic yeah <laughs> well, all right Tracy you. thank you so much you're, yeah you're no I really problem. appreciate it all right Bye. speak to you soon okay bye-bye thanks for tuning in to a street smart MBA with Sarah Shaw be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime anywhere and we'll see you on the next one